0: Well, good morning to each one. I greet you in the name of Jesus. When it's all said and done, what really matters in life is our faithful obedience to God. When it's all said and done, what really matters in life is our faithful obedience To God. The rest is just details. Now, we could almost call for a closing song, but we won't. Someone once said that the opening remarks of a sermon and the closing remarks are the ones that folks remember. And so what I just said is not necessarily what we plan to speak about this morning, but it's something that I want you to remember, that when it's all said and done, what really matters in life is our faithful obedience to God. The rest is just details. For a message I invite you to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gave this sermon on a hillside near Capernaum. In this greatest sermon that has ever been preached, Jesus is teaching a way that contradicts the way of the world. In fact, it contradicts the way that we have always done it, the way we've done it in the past. This way is about giving when others take, loving when others hate, helping when others abuse, it's a way about giving up your rights in order to serve others. Today, we will be looking at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus begins his sermon with words that seem to contradict each other. Blessed, happy, or supremely blessed are the poor in spirit. What picture comes to your mind when you think of someone who is poor in spirit? What picture do you see? Worn and torn clothes, mismatched shoes, unkept appearance, hair ruffled, body dirty, a sad, downcast expression, is that poor in spirit? Well, if that's your picture, I hope to change that today, because that's not what it is. In the previous chapter, we have the story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, and then in the middle of that chapter, we have Peter calling now, we have Jesus calling Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And then Matthew 423, if you want to just look back there, if you're there at Matthew five, just go back to 423, and it shows what's happening. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. Verse 25, great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Jordan. Chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus introduced the first of the Beatitudes with the words, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poverty of spirit. Poor in spirit. You know, this is certainly not a quality that comes natural that comes naturally to us. And it's certainly not a quality that is esteemed in our world today. Our culture emphasizes And appreciates things like self reliance, self confidence, self expression. However, if we take this verse at face value, we will see that poverty of spirit is absolutely essential for us to be right with God. It is essential for us to be righteous in His eyes. It is essential for us to experience, present, and future blessing. These first words of verse 3 are key to the verses that follow. They are also key to embracing the entire sermon. Why? Because poverty of spirit is the fundamental characteristic of the Christian, and all other godly characteristics that follow are built upon being poor in spirit. And so today we will begin by looking first at what poor in spirit is not. So we'll start with that. So the first one I have is poor in spirit is not self-righteousness. You can turn to Luke chapter 18. I'd like to read 9 through 14. Here we have a very familiar passage, Luke 18 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not as much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man... Went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone, who is, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Verse 9 shows us what poor in spirit is not. People here were trusting in themselves and priding in their own righteousness. These folks had an attitude of righteousness which naturally made them despise others. Poor in spirit is not self-righteous. Poor in spirit does not despise. Poor in spirit welcomes. Poor in spirit says, come on in. Be part of us. Fellowship with us. We want you here. As a young teenager, my first real job was working on a dairy farm. And on that farm roamed a flock of peafowl. They were not confined, they roamed around the farm wherever they so pleased. And every spring, about this time of the year, the male birds, the peacocks, would strut. They would find an open spot on the farm and they would get it at one spot and they would just strut for hours on end. They would blow up that tail of beautiful feathers, and along with the strutting, they would holler a loud, obnoxious peacock noise, which I will not try to demonstrate. But I've I found it interesting how obsessed these birds became with themselves. They loved to see their reflection. They would pace back and forth in front of a chrome bumper, it was just back and forth, because they could see their reflection in that chrome. And worse yet, they would get up on the hood of a vehicle and just to see their reflection in the windshield, and then they'd strut. The Pharisee, like the peacock, was obsessed with himself. He was strutting his own righteousness. I do this. I do that. I'm more righteous than others. Keep me away from those folks. I fast twice a week. I give tithes. Jesus called this prideful nonsense praying with himself. The opposite of poor in spirit is proud in spirit. Pride is not of God. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Pride, self-righteousness, trusting in our own righteousness, I'm better than other attitude is not poor in spirit. The second one, poor in spirit does not mean financial poverty. It's not a matter of money, how much or how little. And some would believe if you study the the Beatitudes, some would believe that Jesus is teaching financial poverty here. And I believe it's true that money can be a problem for us spiritually. We know that. Jesus had a lot to say about money. He had a lot to say about riches. In fact, it's said he talked more about money than any other given subject. However, how much money we have or don't have is not the question here. You see, we could be flat broke. We could be scraping the bottom. We could be eating macaroni and cheese three times a day. And while we may be poor financially, our spirit may be living high on pride. Financial poverty doesn't make us poor in spirit. The real issue, we, as we will see, has to do with the attitude of the heart. Number three, being poor in spirit does not mean being biblically illiterate. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Here Paul encourages Timothy to be a student of the word of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Get into the word, study it, figure it out, be convinced for yourself. Timothy Bible knowledge is helpful and necessary in our growth as Christians, not so we can argue theology and have everything figured out, but so that we can apply and obey the word. Let me read that again, but so that we can obey and apply the word to our lives. That's why we need Bible knowledge. And so being poor in spirit does not mean being biblically illiterate. Hopefully that first picture I gave you is slowly fading away in your mind of that poor individual. Okay? Being poor in spirit does not mean thinking poorly of ourselves. Number four. It doesn't mean that one should live in a state of discouragement or depression. Some would think that if they just put themselves down enough, they will be poor in spirit. God doesn't want us to think poorly of ourselves. He wants us to think properly of ourselves, as we will see in a few minutes. And so if poor in spirit is not self-righteousness or being financially poor or biblically illiterate or thinking poorly of ourselves, then what is it and what does it look like? In the New Testament, there are two Greek words that are translated poor. And the first speaks of the person for whom life is a struggle. The second speaks of absolute Poverty, being destitute, bankrupt. This is the word that is used here in the first beatitude. And so to be poor in spirit means that we are spiritually bankrupt before God. It's the understanding of Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. To be poor in spirit is not to lack courage, but to acknowledge spiritual bankruptcy. Poor in spirit is a confession of one's unworthiness before God and utter dependence on him. Several minutes ago, we looked at the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and we learned What poor in spirit is not. In that same story, we have the tax collector and we have his prayer, which is an example of what poor in spirit is. And so let's go back to that story in Luke chapter 18. Uh, Let's just point out verse 13 and later verse 14. Luke 8, 13, And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Standing afar off, in other words, he stood to the side, he stood back in humility He would not raise his eyes to heaven. He beat his chest as an expression of deep sorrow for his sinfulness. His prayer was not elegant or long. He simply said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The man went home justified, just as if he had never sinned, not because of the right things that he had done, but because he had the right heart. So, how can we know if we are truly poor in spirit? With what measure can we test ourselves? I have three points to consider here. Three points that we can measure and test ourselves. The first one I have is, the poor in spirit will will have a soft, pliable heart. I invite you to uh, Psalm 51. Turn there if you would. Psalm 51, as we know, is a prayer of David. And in this prayer, he's repenting for a sin that he committed. But I'd like to break into this prayer in verse 14. And read 14 through 17 of Psalm 51. Thinking about the poor in spirit will have a soft, pliable heart. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I will give it. you do not delight in burnt offering. the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. You know, we can bring many good and beautiful things to God. But if your heart is hard and stony, God will receive no glory, and it will profit you nothing. However, if the heart is soft, if the heart is pliable, if it's broken, just the smile on the face Will bring glory to God. And so the poor in spirit must have and will have a soft, pliable heart. The second one I have that basically goes right with this one is the poor in spirit are humble. I'd like to look at 1 Peter 5 5 through 7. And again, we're thinking about how can we know if we are truly poor in spirit. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When I read these verses, I think of the words of Pablo Yoder in a message that I heard him preach years ago, Pablo Yoder said we can humble ourselves or we can let God do it for us Pablo highly recommend humbling ourselves and so do I be clothed with Humility and that be clothed has the thought of being wrapped up. Let it surround you. Let it just clothe. Plenty of it. For God resists the proud. And that word resist means he's against or opposed to pride. You know, pride says, Look at me and what I can do. Humility says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Pride makes us look around and compare ourselves among ourselves, which the Bible says is not wise. But we do it anyhow. That's pride. Humility causes us to compare ourselves with God. Humility says search me o oh god and try my heart pride is subtle you know it's even possible to become proud of our let me start over it's even possible to become proud of our humility that's possible We can so easily become like the Sunday school teacher who told the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And after telling that story, she said, children, let's bow our heads and thank God that we are not like the Pharisee. It's possible, pride is so subtle. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen says, For thus says the Holy, the High and Lofty One, who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. Again, we're thinking about how can we know if we are poor in spirit? The third point I have is the poor in spirit are dependent on God. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. I'd like to read 25 through 34. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Take no thought for your life. What does that mean to you this morning? How do you see that? How do you apply that? You know, we live in a day when we worry more about what we will eat than if we will eat. But yet we worry. We have things that concern us when we think about the future. Think back to the Israelites Israelites wandering in the wilderness, a huge group of people totally dependent on God. They depended on God each day for food. They depended on God each day for water. They depended on God each day for protection. They had no choice but to take one day at a time. And you know, we're not the Israelites. But it's the same for us. That's all we can do is really take one day at a time. Take no thought for your life. Like the Israelites, we must look to God for our daily spiritual and physical needs. And I'm preaching to myself this morning, and I hope you all are listening. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And so, how do I know if I am poor in spirit? The poor in spirit will first have a soft, pliable heart. The poor in spirit are humble. The poor in spirit are dependent on God. Today we have looked at possibly one of the greatest paradox in scripture. Happy, blessed, supremely blessed are the poor in spirit. Those with a soft, humble, pliable heart. Humble people are happy people. Humble people are content people. Humble people are so happy eating their grass to notice if the grass is greener on the other side. You can think about that one. The promise to the humble is the kingdom of God. What does the promised kingdom of God include? I believe it's everything that is found in Jesus Christ, including all future blessing. That is the promise to those who are poor in spirit. The kingdom of God is theirs. The greatest example of poor in spirit is shown to us by Jesus himself and today he is inviting all to come and learn of him. If you are here today and have never accepted Jesus as your savior or if you're here today and find yourself coming or falling short in humility, if you know that poor in spirit is not you, Jesus is the answer. He longs to teach you. He longs for you to come and learn of him. He'll show you how it's done. Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The answer is found in Jesus Christ. And so what did I say at the beginning? The first words, when it's all said and done, What really matters in life? What is it? That's right. When it's all said and done, what really matters in life is our faithful obedience to God. I want you to remember that. And the second thing I want you to remember is Jesus is the answer for all our needs. And so this morning... If you find yourself lacking, if you need salvation, if you need help with this thing of being poor in spirit, Jesus is the answer. Amen. We'll call for song. Number
1: 356. Number 356.